Hello and welcome to another English edition of my podcast Helium Talk, das Kunstgespräch. My name is Jörg Heikhaus and here I am talking with master brewer Oliver Wesselow. Olli is the founder of his brewery Kehr wieder Kreativbrauerei here in Hamburg. He won the title of world champion of beer sommeliers and not only in my eyes is one of the best in the field. So what's with all the beer and why do I talk about this in an art podcast? Well, Oli and I are releasing our second so-called artist beer, a beer that we have created and brewed together. Our artist beers always come in a very limited edition and in a box that also contains a high-end silkscreen print of the label artwork. Our first creation came out in 2016 and was called The Dirty Hands of Alex Diamond. It was a smoke porter, a workman porter as Ollie and I labeled it. It was strong and dark and meant to be enjoyed after a long hard day at work. That one of course is gone and sold out and drunk empty by now, so it was time for a new badge of hoppy craziness. This year we call it the Love Me or Die. The story behind the beer and the artwork was inspired by a great song of the same name by one of my biggest musical discoveries of recent years, C.W. Stone King. I've tried to contact the man himself many times, but could never reach him, though he likes our posts on the social web and I guess he might be aware of the praise for his song in liquid form and in fine arts by Oli and me. His music is a pure gem and in the meantime the gentleman has gained the deserved success and is touring with the queens of the stone age and I guess there's not much time left for responding to us now. But just in case, if you hear this Mr. Stonking or one of your team, we just need an address or you can send one of the boxes to, because you getting a taste of this beer would mean the world to Ollie and me. Until then, let's do this podcast. How's our beer? How does it taste? Awesome, interesting, weird, different. It really works for the title, The Love Me or Die. So, well, let's, we might talk about the beer first, what it is. Um, so um, it is um, a spiced triple, um, Belgian style triple um, that we have spiced with um, uh, anise seed, ginger, wormwood, and um, tonka sugar, tonka beans. Um, so it really, it combines, it's like, it is like a, like a two-hearted or two-faced uh, beer. Um, on one hand, it has the, um, the sweetness, this playful, enchanting, um, yeah, yeah, sweetness of the tonka beans. Um, that greet you on the nose, on the palate initially. And then uh, the wormwood takes over um, with its own pretty unique uh, bitterness, which is quite different from the hop bitterness that you're used to um, in your everyday IPA. Um, so it's really, I, I think it, it, it really works for the title. You really, you really love it or, well, hopefully, I guess nobody was going to die from it, but... Uh, <laughs> If you don't love it, you you, you really think it's. I think well, I think there's nothing the beer in between. Dies for you then. I mean, the beer's <laughs> over. It's gone. If you don't like it, this is the thing with with taste. But the background of the story um, of this of this beer is it's it's uh, it's an it's a song that I stumbled across mm -hmm. um, I think a year ago, two years ago, when I was introduced uh, to an artist called C.W. Stone King, an Australian blues artist who plays 
blues like like he would be still living in the 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. Um, he's, uh, he's an amazing musician. You should check him out. And he has one song on one of his records. It's called, on his record Jungle Blues, it's called The Love Me or Die. And that is basically the story of that song is it's about a voodoo spell. It's this... Um, It's the, uh, the, the narrator, um, is in love with a woman that Matilda, that he absolutely, he wants to marry her, but she doesn't want to marry him. She's not interested in him. So he goes as his last resort, he goes and, and gets this, this voodoo charm called the love me or die. And that voodoo charm is basically, you put it under the floor of the door or the house of your, of the woman that you love or the man that you love, they want to love you. And the next day, this person well, either loves you decides, yeah. or is dead <clears throat> or is dying. And in the case of the song, it ends very badly. Um, Matilda dies. Uh, it's very, very sad. Uh, but I like the, the, I like the, the atmosphere of the song. I like the, 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 the story behind it for everything it stands for, not just this, this specific story. Um, But I think Oli and I were in with 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 what we're doing with beer and art. We're storytellers in a way as well. Um, For sure. So this kind of fit very well. And last year I created an artwork from wood, a large artwork that was already labeled "The Love Me or Die," and as a centerpiece, it has the uh, the, the the carriage, the hearse. The, mm, the hearse. Yeah, the mm -hmm. hearse exactly. Uh, that uh, that takes away uh, Matilda's dead body. Uh, and that's also on the label artwork and on the cover. Yeah. And um, and when I when I approached Ollie with this with this story um, and with this artwork and with the song too, uh, we sat down and and thought about what kind of beer this could be. And this is basically where more of your artistic knowledge and craft and everything comes in because I can have these ideas and I can say this is probably a way that it could go. Um, I love the the one of your first thought with the aphrodisiac. Um, ingredients ingredients yeah. uh, and stuff like that but that's basically where we started to create a very well, unique beer in, initially sketch it up initially just to get get the rough outlines um I, pro probably like when you started creating the artwork i mean mm -hmm. you, you make sketches initially you're not starting on the artwork from scratch no sure um so yeah it was the same same idea to say okay um it has to be something charming um it has to be something that uh, really you know might make you fall in love um so that's what we decided for the for, for the uh, belgian triple as a base beer style um because it has on one hand it is um it's this nice higher alcohol beer um yet quite drinkable um, quite easy to drink um it has some of this like honey sweetness um, a little bit um like a peppery spiciness that you get from this belgian yeast styles um and it's triple is, is a good triple is kind of deceiving it because you don't do not get the um strength of the alcohol in the first couple of sips but well it, it it'll show after a while <laughs> um so um yeah we we tasted some and um decided like well this 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 might be a good base and then said okay um if you want someone to fall in love with you um or actually in a way enforce it i mean this is what it's about right it's it's not yep. like uh it's it's using like a crowbar to to get somebody to fall in love with you um yeah, so 
it's it's so that was the second step to uh, say okay let's let's put stuff in there that's uh, at least said to be aphrodisiac. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, we looked around and um, researched a bit what what could work and what would work with the beer style in the end. Um, we dropped one ingredient, um, the horny goat weed, um, <laughs> just because um, it's not even for legal reasons. It's for legal reasons. We, we <clears throat> sure we would have done it if we. Um, but, but this is just, um, outside of any, um, um, it's, it's not considered food stuff, um, in Germany. I think most of Europe, um, it's more medicine. so it's not, it's, it's medicine. Yeah. If we, if we would have called it a medicine or maybe a love potion and just sold it, um, in pharmacies, then it might have worked, but not. Yeah. We could have made the Viagra of beers, but yes. then were to check. Well, you, you gotta try it out. actually. You gotta try it. Maybe, maybe it still is. <laughs> So other other than the horny goat weed, um, we decided for aniseed and ginger, mm-hmm. um, and of course uh, um, wormwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and the aniseed and ginger, they're a bit more in the background. They're supporting. They're not so much uh, ginger, and both both ginger and aniseed can be very strong, very powerful. But then they dominate the beer, and um, I think it's it's more intriguing to have these different layers in there that you can explore. Um, Yet still, the wormwood is, is, is still pretty strong in there. Um, although we toned it back from the initial uh, test batch that you uh, tasted and pr- pretty well remember, because the wormwood has this very unique bitterness uh, to it, um, and that one was really. <laughs> I mean, we probably both can take a lot in, in in terms of beers, but that was you could drink it, but that was like. Uh, Challenging, I would say the, the bitterness back well, then. All I can say is that <clears throat> I took one. What do you call them? Growlers, growler. Yeah. One, I think growler. Mm-hmm. Two point five liters uh, bottle with me up up north um, mm. to a friend That's of mine, right. and we and we shared it one evening, and it was uh, it was actually good. We liked it. We enjoyed it. Um, Did but, you get horny? <laughs> no, 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 I think we just got drunk right. uh, in the end. But um, but of course, you know, it's different. It's a different approach when you make a beer, when you like the beer, when you're with good friends and stuff like that. I'm pretty, that's that's the thing for me. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm an artist and of course I'm always uh, nervous, not necessarily nervous, but curious to see how people react to my work. Mm-hmm. But I am an artist for so many years. That I I I'm I'm pretty uh, uh, strong in what I what I what I present. So I know that the work I'm doing is you know so the best I can. So I'm not nervous that anybody says oh I don't like this. Then it's fine. Nobody has to like it. But with making a beverage and making a beer, it's totally different. Especially because <laughs> with beer, with art, it's sometimes people say well I don't I don't know anything about art, so I don't want to judge. But everybody knows about beer. You know, and I think everybody that, thinks he knows. Yeah, but every, everybody has an opinion. About beer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So, uh, so it, you know, it, um, the last beer that we did, the the Dirty Hands of Alex Diamond, I was already nervous, but uh, that went extremely well. Yes, nobody was complaining. Um, with this one, you know, it might be a little bit. It might be a little bit different, but the, it, it's a polarizing beer and it's a polarizing story, and uh, and and that's 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 also the idea behind the beers when we when we decided to make this together. It's 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 basically we said we're making an artist beer. That's right. And the artist beer means that it's not just a nice label artwork, 
uh, and the bottle looks good and the content is done by Oli and I do the label artwork but it's uh, it's a shared effort yeah it is to come together with uh, throw around ideas uh, and then you have the artist helping with the process of brewing and and um, and the the, the, the brewmaster helping with the story um, that's why the print that comes with the with the artwork is signed by both of us Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I claim that the beer is also mine, even though, of course, we have to admit, he is the, yeah. the pro in Ollie that uh, without you know, without you, would, it wouldn't be possible to make a beer like that. I could think, well, that's right, but basically, the, course, develop the, the input, the story mm-hmm. um, together, mm-hmm. um, based, based, based on your um, based on your artwork. Um, and um, yeah, I think that's that's the. The main part behind it—that's a um, this, this shared effort. Um, I mean, for the for the dirty hands um, back then, uh, we looked at your um, approach on art in general, mm-hmm. um, your way of working, um, your credo to like always get your hands dirty when you're working. Mm-hmm. Um, this workman style porter, um, um, still a rough working class beer style. Um, smoked porter aged on the wood chips because you work in a lot predominantly with wood. Yeah. Um, so, and in this case, it was more specific, a single piece of art, which again was inspired by another piece of art, mm-hmm. um, by a song. Um, so it's actually, it's, it's a nice, uh, link of pieces of art because in the end, beer is also, um, uh, a piece of art. Mm-hmm. If you make, if you make a good beer and a special beer. Yeah, especially um, making you make it special and not just you know like off the shelf products. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I um, I love this uh, collaboration, and um, I'm really curious on uh, to, s- to see what comes out of that. What how this series will still develop in the future, but still, f- so far, um, we still have to look forward to uh, next week. Mm-hmm. And um, you're right. I mean, it's it's, it's always the same. Um, of course, you're nervous same for me um when you present something new um uh, just to see how people people will like it um i don't have to like um get everybody's liking um and and especially with that beer i expect people it it will split people so some people will really love it Mm -hmm. some people will probably hate it Mm -hmm. um but that's fine um because people will talk about it mm-hmm. and that's important um that they that they finally talk about beer again um and it's great so be, because if you have a polarizing beer like that um the people that love it really love it mm-hmm. um and that's great to get them because they will say it's like okay this is like the most awesome beer i've ever had um it's not a it's not a beer for the stadium that you drink in pints um just five of them in a row um but um to savor it and explore it, same mm-hmm. like artwork. If you just, just, I mean, you're, you're just not running by a couple of pictures. I mean, you're standing there, you look at them, um, you're trying to explore the picture. Um, same with that beer. Yeah, and um, yeah, as you said, it's like a. <clears throat> I mean, I think it's it's. Uh, it's it's experimental in many ways, and uh, and uh, and and that's 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 the beauty of it. And uh, in in it's something we can afford to do outside of what we're usually doing, um, you know, because it's a it's a it's a passion project as well. Your your main your main project. I mean, our jobs are passion too. You know, yeah, so totally. Yeah, I think that's that's the thing. And but, fun and fun. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, let's uh, let's come to the point. I'm not sure whether everybody that listens to the podcast in English. I think when we when we did we did this, you know, first in German. Um, I think here in Hamburg, Oli uh, is, is is very well known in the German craft beer scene. He's very well known uh, with his brewery Kevida uh, Kreativbrauerei, which is probably hard for Americans and English speaking people. Right? Just stick to Kevida. Kevida, I mean, yeah, that, that, that should Kevida, still work. Yeah. The Kreativbrauerei is probably like the German Cre word there. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a it's well, we use that. Um, Creative brewery, basically, well, it, it, it translates into creative brewery. Mm -hmm. um, when we started um, back in 2011, um, there wasn't much going on in the craft beer scene in Germany. Um, but, however, we decided against using the wording craft beer mm -hmm. um, because it has been abused pretty fast from bigger breweries like industrial breweries that wanted to be cool mm -hmm. as well you have the same issue in the in the u.s um what they call crafty mm -hmm. um um and also oh, i really hate it when i see this uh german english combinations of craft beer we have craft as the english word and but beer the b-i-e-r the german, the, the german yeah. version which is like ah oh, i just hate these uh, german uh, english combinations so um, we were looking for um A German word that would convey the um, the ideals, the um, the goals of the uh, craft brewing scene that um, uh, I know from the U.S. market, um, and decided for uh, Creative mm -hmm. So That's basically just the addition for for the brewery. So, yeah. but the main name is is, is Kevita. So. You know so much about the American craft beer scene because you've had the privilege of living there for many years, or yeah. being abroad and right. brewing in the. Caribbean and in the United States. Yeah, that was um, in in a way a chance thing, um, which led to um, our kind of motto. It was our uh, guiding tagline for our life. Mm -hmm. It's like everything happens for a reason. And um, after I finished studying brewing science, I started working in a, in a small brew pub here in Hamburg. Then I went to Berlin um, to study brewing science. Um, worked at uh, two larger industrial breweries uh, in. in in Germany, and then um, when one of them had to cut down on jobs, I was um, one of them falling through the grid. And initially, I was like just starting off my career, and it's like you know this, like whoa, was really I was had my like um, already like a uh, heading the laboratory, and it was like wow, just out of university, like um, in career mode. Um, mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, I was like, oh shit, and what's happening now? But that led to uh, brought me to the Caribbean all of a sudden. Chance, chance thing, um, which um, then one thing led to another. There was a job offering in the Caribbean. It was a job region. offering. I just, I just saw a small uh, vacancy in, in, in a brewing magazine. It was like a uh, uh, lab manager for the Caribbean. I was like, mm -hmm, okay. So I called them and um, uh, got the job. Initially, it was it was taken already, but the the guy they sent there was a badly uh, a bad alcoholic and so after a week they sent him back home and like hey you're still available it's like oh yeah sure like okay well when are you ready to travel and it's like uh okay let me see um do i need any visas or i don't know vaccinations or whatnot and like nah nah, nah. we take care of the visa <laughs> and that's fine all right um take care of the visa. like yeah, yeah. <laughs> like uh i don't know uh, give me about a week's time or so that okay fine we're gonna send you a ticket mm -hmm. and uh, a week later off i went um to the um, before unknown island of Dominica, um, which is uh, in the Eastern Caribbean between Martinique and Guadeloupe. Mm -hmm. um, 
beautiful place, um, definitely. Um, and started working there as a, as a brewer, built a lab, and uh, finally um, was their technical manager for the brewery. Um, you took I, your wife with there too? Uh, not, not back then. She was uh, still working as a journalist in, in, in Germany um, because initially I was supposed to go there for j just for half a year to build up the lab. Mm -hmm. um, it turned out to be um, um, almost a full year. Um, and when I came back, uh, we got... Um, the next, well, kind of follow-on job mm -hmm. um, in the Caribbean, um, and that's when we—that's uh, when she moved with me. Um, uh, that was on the Cayman Islands um, to build a brewery there. And initially, I was supposed to like build up the brewery as the project manager, um, start it up, and then move on to uh, Freeport on the Bahamas to do the next thing there. But um, in that job, you typically. It happens quite often that as a project manager, you're asked to like stay aboard, um, which happened on the Cayman Islands as well. So uh, we stayed overall three years on uh, Grand Cayman, um, again, running the brewery as, as a technical manager, um, then moved to Guyana, formerly British Guyana, um, for another year to uh, work for their local brewery um, because they, had, uh, they were... Um, bring bags under license and they couldn't get the flavor profile right um, so I spent another another year in South America uh, with a family um, brewing bags <laughs> and some Caribbean lagers um, and when that job, job was done I coincidentally met the managing director of uh, one of the three largest brewery equipment manufacturers, um, all three of them located in Germany. And he asked me whether I would be interested in uh, supporting them in uh, building up their um, sales office in uh, Miami, mm -hmm. taking care of North America and the Caribbean. I was like, sure, <laughs> um, of course. Um, <laughs> so we moved to Miami. And um, that's, by now I'm saying that's when I saw the light because mm -hmm. um, I was, um, all of a sudden I was paid to travel the U.S. craft beer scene, mainly to sell brew houses or fermenters. Um, but as the uh, lucky side effect, of course, after you had your sales meeting um, in the evening, you would sit down um, with the head brewer or the owner or probably the same person mm -hmm. um, and uh, drink through the range of beers that they have and talk about them. And it, um, that was uh, like really for me, that's uh, inspiration. Like, of course, that's why I became a brewer. Um, because when you're trained in Germany, um, your typical training, um, it's, it's, it's very good. We have a very, very mm -hmm. good education system in brewing in Germany. It's excellent. However, it's only touching like the German beer styles. So mm -hmm. um, you know everything about brewing a perfect Pilsner and an Efeweizen and um, a, a Märzen or an export. Um, but they only briefly, at least back then when I was studying um, they only briefly touched uh, British or Belgian beer styles. Um, mm -hmm. So you basically heard that these other beer styles, but not much into how to brew them. Um, never mentioned dry hopping or stuff like that. Um, and all of a sudden I got in touch with that in the US market. I was like, of course, this is what's, what's brewing about. Um, and, so they um, told you things you didn't know? 
Of course, I, I learned I learned stuff that that I, that I didn't know, um, and tons of inspiration for sure. Yeah. Um, and so, as a brewer, of course, you always I mean, you always want to brew your own beer. Mm -hmm. um, and so this, well, this idea started to take a hold and grow. And again, I mean, things changed. The managing director changed. The new one was really crap. <laughs> um, and um, That happens. Yeah, it happens. Um, mm -hmm. But everything happens for a reason, you know. Yeah. Um, so I sat down with my wife, Julia, um, and because I was looking at the German market as well back then, nothing initially nothing was going on in, on the German beer market mm -hmm. in terms of craft beer. They only had their traditional beer styles. And um, around the beginning of 2011, I noticed like, okay, the, like the first experiments are starting. Um, so we sat down, said, okay, look, this is this, let's have a look at our situation that we have here in Miami. Do we really love it? Um, I also had the challenge. Um, it was probably as a, as a bachelor, it's a great job because you're traveling a lot, you get a lot, of, uh, get to see a lot. Um, as a father uh, and a family man, it's kind of challenging because uh, in Monday morning you're driving to the airport, you're gone for the whole weekend, might come back on a. Um, Friday afternoon, or if you're at the we at the West Coast, even on a on a Saturday. Your first child was born in the States, or both of them? No, um, Lisa, my my first child was born on the Cayman Islands. Okay, um, and Kaya, the second one, um, was born basically on a, on a, on a half year in between stop uh, in Hamburg. Um, so yeah, um, so we looked at that, looked at the situation in the U.S., looked at the job situation. Um, of course, it was great living in Miami. I can't complain about that. Um, we had sure. a really beautiful place there, um, great friends. Um, however, we also looked at the school system there, which is kind of challenging, mm -hmm. I'd like to say. Um, and just on competition. It's just um, so we weren't sure whether we wanted that for um, our daughters either. Um, so everything came, every, putting everything together, we said, okay, this, this could be the right time to start something like that in the, in the German market. Um, so let's make a decision. Do we want to do that or not? And, um, uh, we decided to do it, um, basically scraped together everything, all of our savings, uh, quit the job, moved back to Germany and, um, started, um, well, searching for locations, started building equipment because back then, um, it would have made no sense to go to a bank and ask them for money um, in order to br uh, to build a brewery because back then there was no craft beer market uh, in Germany. Um, and in the general beer market, small breweries were dying. Mm -hmm. They would rather close than open. Yeah. Um, so there would have been no chance to get money from anyone um, for to open up a brewery in Germany. So the only chance was to, well, take all of our savings and uh, build the stuff ourselves. How's so. it now with the banks open their safe when you come and say, I want to make a craft brewery because uh, now they know in what the it is? No, here in Germany, I mean, come to Germany. These days now? Yeah. Uh, I think they're more open these days, um, as especially since you have like all the big brewing groups in Germany, they're also now venturing into some sort of craft beer-ish. Mm -hmm. um, um, and... Um, so I think that's a good proof. I mean, these these big companies they don't go into a niche if they're not expecting profit, mm -hmm. um, and it's the only segment on the German uh, beer market that shows a serious growth. Mm -hmm. um, 
uh, well, when, when we needed uh, a little bit more money uh, last year to, um, to buy more tanks, more fermenters, um, it wasn't an issue at all. Um, that seems to work now. Um, I'm, I'm going to find out. It's always a good sign when the when the when the money flows, you know, goes yeah. into those directions as well. That some kind well, of yeah. and if you're profitable, I mean, by yeah. now we are. Um, um, of course, not from not from the start, but um, it worked out fine for us. Mm -hmm. um, started very low key, so we're still working basically on an ambitious homebrewing equipment. I'm sometimes saying it's like a. It's a small, but yeah, well, it, it, it does the job. It, 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 it's really good. Um, it's a lot it, more it than that's, that's a lot more than homebrewing equipment that you have there. <laughs> but I know, yeah. I don't know what you mean. You know, it's a it's still a small ship um, right. compared to you know other large breweries. But you also mentioned that you're already at a point where you think that you might you know sort of change spaces and stuff like that. Mm. So yeah, so that's um, typical growth. I mean, luxury problem, but. Um, by now we're at the point where we maxed out our equipment, we maxed out the space that we're mm -hmm. located in. Um, so we're right now searching for a new location um, again, um, bigger location. But so so this is going to be interesting now because of that one. So the ideal planning would be to build a complete new brewery from scratch, mm -hmm. including the building. Um, and of course, that's significantly more money than... Um, we have saved in the last couple of years. Um, so yes, we will have to try the banks on that. So this is going to be um, interesting, but I'm pretty positive. Um, I think uh, it all goes into, into the right direction. Um, actually, the search for location within Hamburg is the biggest challenge because there's hardly anything left. Mm -hmm. And if there are empty lots, they are just darn expensive. It's just yeah, yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, um, going crazy. And regrettably, a brewery needs a certain size. Mm -hmm. um, sure. Plus, you need you, you might need extra room, even if you don't need it initially. You need room to grow into um, because there's nothing worse than being landlocked and you see like, okay, basically I could add more tanks or I don't know, more storage space, but there is none. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's all the planning question because I'm not planning. I've seen that in the U S market when I was working there, um, that some of these breweries, just because they had tremendous growth, like every five to 10 years, they had to build a new brewery. Um, <laughs> and actually I like to brew beer. Um, it's fun to build a new brewery, but I do not want to do that on a regular basis. I rather yeah, yeah, want to brew beer. Um, so that's that's the biggest challenge to find a space and uh, get all that worked out mm -hmm. in a way that hopefully uh, I do not have to build another new brewery, just expand the one that we have all goes well. Um, but that also means that the scene in Germany has kind of grown over these past years yeah. to, uh, to a stage that... Um, that it's actually, I don't know whether it's a threat to the industry, but... No, I don't think so. I think it's actually good for the for the, for the industry in general mm -hmm. um, because all of a sudden people talk about beer again. Mm -hmm. um, and, I mean, in order to accept that something has a certain value, you have to think about it and you have to talk about it. And the German beer market over the last 30 years developed into a direction that... Um, nobody talked about the beer, about the attributes of the beer. Why would I buy this or that brand? Because it's mm -hmm. special or whatnot. Um, you would mainly find, especially in Northern Germany, you'd mainly find your Pilsners and your Hefeweizen, maybe some non-alcoholic non and maybe um, Eastern German style Schwarzbier, um, Black Lager. Um, and that would be it. 
you didn't you didn't find much variety even if we still have like in some regions like cologne or dusseldorf mm -hmm. you have your specialties but they're typically there i mean um you wouldn't find I'm not touching Kölsch now because you're from Cologne, but you wouldn't find a good alt beer somewhere outside of, of Düsseldorf. You would find alt beer, but not a good one. Yeah, um, well, not one that's produced there, you know, outside of Düsseldorf, right? No, but even 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 one, well, you're talking about uh, Divas. Um, yeah, you find a mass market uh, uh, alt beer, but it's also like smaller but breweries than. Okay. Yeah, you, you uh, wouldn't you wouldn't get smaller, really authentic uh, alt mm -hmm. beers uh, in Northern Germany. But even even for the for that mass market, mm -hmm. this one mass market alt beer, it would be still hard to find that in Northern. Yeah, sure. Well, five years, six years ago, in Northern Germany, <clears throat> uh, beer store. So people were just buying beer um, by price. So mm -hmm. which is which is on sale at the moment, and that's that's how they would buy beer, and so that is changing. Um, with the whole um, craft beer, um, creative beer uh, scene, so that uh, people talk about the beers again. And um, so all of a sudden, beer has a new value. Um, so I also think that will help the overall beer market in Germany because all of a sudden you can justify reasonable prices on the market. Yeah. So going back to when you... Came back from the from 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 the states. Um, you started to your first beer is called prototype. Prototype. Yeah, prototype. Yeah. Um, and um, and that is not your. I mean, from the style, <laughs> from taste and everything else, it's like the beer. But it's <laughs> not the most obvious choice to make a lager when everybody's here is gearing up to drink super hopped IPAs. Double, triple IPAs, whatever. Yeah. So uh, the taste was more in the direction, let's get crazy experimenting with these new styles. And you decided um, to make something different. Um, yeah, I mean, on one hand, I'm in general, I do not just want to follow others. I want to, uh, well, create my own ideas and and, and uh, uh, just work work of that. And um Uh, of course, I'm I'm a big hophead as well, and by now we do have also IPAs and double IPAs and extra brute IPAs and uh, West Coast IPAs. Uh, we have brute uh, all of them. Um, however, to start with, um, I rather well went back to a beer that inspired me a lot. Well, a beer and a brewery as well, um, which is Sierra Nevada and especially the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was always my go-to beer when we were living in, in, in Miami. Um, that was the beer that I always had in our fridge um, because it has this uh, perfect balance between um, a beer that is super drinkable. You can mm -hmm. almost drink it. Lawnmower beer is always a, a bad word, but, you, you know, you can even even have you... If, After working in the in your yard, lawnmower beer, lawnmower beer. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad word. I think it's a good word. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, it's I, like, I like having a beer with a little more in lawn. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's 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 typically used, especially in the U.S. for like yeah, okay. all the Bud and Miller course, thin, watery, fizzy yellow water beers. Um, however, it's you're totally right. It's it's it's, it's you, you can drink it out of the bottle just as a refreshment, as a thirst quencher, and mm -hmm. it works great for that. Mm -hmm. It's not too too bold or too complex for that um, but at the same time if you want to have a beer that ha has a certain backbone a certain flavor mm -hmm. um, you can still drink it you can uh, pour it in a glass and enjoy it slowly 
sip it, um, and still a great beer. Mm -hmm. um, it strikes that perfect balance. Um, plus, um, if you go back to the roots of the U.S. craft beer scene, um, which on the larger scale started around 1980, also with Sierra Nevada and, and, and others, um, a lot of those brewers were looking at um, the European market and the a lot of the traditional European beer styles, mm -hmm. um, which some of them actually died out. Um, so it was a lot of these breweries started with uh, British styles like a pale ale, stout, porter, um, beers like that, um, and revived these beer styles by taking the idea of these recipes, but brewing them with uh, American ingredients. And the American hops just have a pretty different flavor from uh, uh, two British hops. Um, so it kind of was a new approach on an old style. Um, so going back to when we started, that was um, the inspiration that I tried to take, saying, okay, I, I, want to, I do want to, want to produce another IPA, especially not as the first beer to say, hello world, here yes. we are, uh, and we have another IPA. Um, the, the few colleagues, I think it's like, I don't know, maybe somewhere between five and ten uh, small craft breweries uh, were on the German market when we started. Um, but I think all of them had as their flagship beer an IPA. Mm -hmm. It was like, nah, I just don't want to do that. Um, so I said, okay, why don't we look at like a, something very traditional German, um, like a Helles Lager beer, mm -hmm. um, using that as a base, um, but taking the inspiration of dry hopping, making that um, yeah more interesting by by dry hopping a lager, mm -hmm. a Helles. Um, so that's what we did. Um, we used um, some of that uh, very traditional made floor mold, um, which is really made on a, on a on a huge old building where it's spread out over the floor and special tiles and has to be turned over um, a couple of times per day. It's very labor intensive, but it has a very nice flavor. Um, and then um, we decided to um, dry hop the beer um, with a Czech hop variety, the Sarza, um, which I've used in the Caribbean before because it gives that sort of uh, pseudo sweetness. It's, it, it doesn't add sweetness, but it almost not as being yeah, yeah, really sweetness, but like the impression of sweetness yeah. to a beer, especially on a very light bodied beer, um, it gives more body to the beer. Um, mm -hmm. And on the other hand, we used uh, Simcoe, a US, a US hop variety um, that um, adds a lot of that super nice, fruity, passion fruit, lychee um, uh, flavor to the beer. So, but you add hops during the normal brewing process well, and then add more hops at the end? Um, on the, on the cold hopping? side, so yeah. yeah, with the dry hopping. So uh, typically, um, well, in classical brewing, um, you're adding hops during the boil. Um, and at that stage, you're um, extracting the, uh, uh, the bitter compounds um, while the essential oils are actually being evaporated with, this, with the water that you evaporate mm -hmm. uh, during, during boiling. Um, so you get the bitterness, but not much of the hop aroma. Mm -hmm. um, however, when you add the hops after the fermentation ends, mm -hmm. so that is on the what we call cold side, so depending on uh, the yeast strain that you're using, a top or bottom fermenting yeast, um, somewhere between 10 or 20 degrees uh, C 
that is uh, I don't know, between 50 and 70 Fahrenheit, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're adding the hops, so you're not mm-hmm. extracting um, any bitter compounds, but you're extracting all the essential oils. And since you have like somewhere past 200 different hop varieties um, that are actually also depending on uh, their flavor, depending on the terroir where they mm-hmm. grew and under the conditions and the soil, um, there's a huge playing field um, to play around with hops and um, add flavor, different flavors to beer. Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah, that's what we did. And um, so that's how prototype um, evolved as um, like for many, many people, the entry level beer on the German beer market, because mm-hmm. on one hand, it's not too far away for the traditional beer drinker that only knows his pills and Tefeweizen um, from what he or she know, knew before. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, with the dry hopping, helps them to like open the door into the craft beer world. Yeah. Um, if you would, uh, like one of our, our main IPAs have like 7.5% ABV, um, 65 bittering units. Um, if you give a beer like that to someone who has never had craft beer before and just new pills and have a might just like die. a slap in the face. Yeah, probably. <laughs> just die. Yeah, but that's that's a, that's the thing. The, the the variety, the the, the possibilities um, that have, especially in Germany, have not been uh, uh, looked into at all because the market was so yeah was uh, it was. Yeah, bland and boring. Nobody knows that because you're living in that market and you think you're like, hey, Germany is like the country where we invented everything, it's, especially beer. Yeah. But so for me, when, when before how we met was that I was as an uh, as somebody who traveled extensively the United States. Uh, part of my family moved there, um, lived there, so I was there when I was young. I always enjoy, and, and of course through the art, traveling to the art fairs, traveling to exhibitions in the United States, and always enjoying the huge variety of different beers that, I mean, as a German, I've never tasted these beers. So I come to a supermarket, I see beers that I haven't even heard. I mean, IPA, never heard of that. And yeah. you just pick out beer from the label and say, well, this Probably is... Awkward. From the artwork, you know, like that's the visual me, you know, coming over and saying, well, this is amazing. I don't know. You know, and then tasting all these different beers. So when the last time I was in the United States, 2012, we traveled. Uh, my family and I we traveled with a with a, with an RV um, through the countryside, and uh, every stop we made to buy supplies. Um, I had my family buying all the stuff mm-hmm. that they gave me to cook later on, and I was just standing in front of these, you know, <laughs> refrigerators. These, and I was just mesmerized, and I was just like, okay. Uh, take this one I take this one and the next time I tried other stuff so when I came back I said even when I was still traveling I, I you know I told my wife I said I have to get into this whole beer thing because we need different beers in Germany and I knew that already few people had started yeah. doing something uh, uh, but but not on not it was you couldn't foresee that you know actually something like this this would happen we're a very conservative country in, in many ways especially yes, when it comes to beer and football and stuff like that <laughs> and um and uh, so I found you by inquiring with people that knew a little bit about beer and beer market. And somebody recommended me to contact a former or a friend of you, former colleague from university. Mm, university, yeah. Yeah. And so we came together because he said, well, my friend Ollie is already doing this in Hamburg. So if you're in Hamburg. 
give just a give him a call, you know. That's what you so did, that's, yeah. yeah, that's how we met, and that's how we started getting into the idea of making, you know, interesting, different beers. Um, and um, and it took us some time, you know. If, uh, I'm I'm offering. I've I've been. I think I think you could call me. I don't want the official title, but you could call me an ambassador for Kevida. Sure. Uh, yeah. By promoting your beers, not promoting it officially on social media or through advertising, but all my friends had to go through this, <laughs> and none of them said. I don't like it. Everybody was like, all right, okay, yeah, I'm okay. I tried. Some people were like, oh, yeah, amazing. I want that. Mm -hmm. But everybody, after they had the first prototype, none of them said, I'll never have this again. So, yeah. You know, it's, um, and so, uh, I think the, the, the opportunity, the possibilities, uh, are so, so big when you find, I mean, I didn't know much. I just wanted to change things and mm -hmm. I wanted to take it in my hands to change things because that's something, sometimes there's something you have to do. Um, but of course I have enough on my plate. So it was a good, you know, everything happens for a reason. We met, I, I could have met somebody else who brews beer and said, okay, this guy, I help him brew his beer. I'll take his money, which I don't yeah. have, but I mean, I'll take his money <laughs> and let's see yeah. where he ends. He might have nice labels and just yeah. stupid beers, but that was not, you know, what happened. Um, and I mentioned that, um, earlier in our German podcast, when I come to you and we, we together, we brew beer and we talk about all these things. It's like when I'm at your brewery, it's like, uh, as a kid dream coming true, being locked into a toy store overnight, because <laughs> there's so much to discover and so much to see and so much to learn, um, with, with this beer. And I think that's a good point, good time to, to mention Scott. Yeah. You know, we mentioned him in the German podcast, but I think if he hears this, we should mention him because he is also of part of this this beer because he was there when we made the initial test. That's batch. right. Yeah, we tried everything out, and um, and maybe you can say something about 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 uh, Scott Jennings because that is something that we also don't have in Germany: people who try out things in beer. Except for the, it's, it's, it's starting slowly, but yeah, um, yeah it, it wasn't there wasn't for the longest there. time. Yeah, um, yeah. Scott is a um, is a very good friend. Um, we studied together back in '97 uh, ish at the VLB in Berlin. Um, started brewing science. I took this whole like five year German graduate engineer course. Um, and Scott took this, um, targeted at, uh, foreign brewers, um, so-called certified brewmaster, uh, course. Um, he was there with his wife. Their first daughter was just born. Mm -hmm. Um, and we spent a lot of time because I was always, um, interested in, um, well, other cultures, people from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm, I'm always curious. Um, so, um, yeah, we, we, um, we spent a lot of time together, um, while in Berlin, but then they of course moved back to the U S, um, to, well, look for a job, work at a brewery. Um, and we kind of lost track. Um, and I don't know, probably 15 years later, yeah, probably about 15 years later, um, while I was doing this, uh, technical sales job, uh, in, in the U S. Um, I, one of the first breweries, of course, I visited was Sierra Nevada because, mm -hmm. um, well, it's also a very important player in the U.S. craft beer market. And uh, Ken Grossman, the owner... Also um, kind of the pioneer in many ways. Definitely. Right? Yeah. In and in many ways, yeah. Um, they also have like... Uh, the new brewery is like the first 
lead platinum certified building brewery building um, in the US. Um, mm -hmm. it's, it's like super high, um, environment, environmentally conscious. Um, I could like mm -hmm. talk probably an hour about what, yeah, what okay. they're doing at the brewery. Yeah. It's a really great inspiration, I have to say. So anyways, um, Ken toured me um, through his uh, brewery in uh, Chico. That's Northern California, roughly three hours north of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, and so we came to their pilot plant, their pilot brew house, um, which still, if I could have that right now, I would just uh, probably cut off a finger or stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so and he's like, uh, and he introduced me to his pilot brewer, um, Scott Jennings. And we, both of us were like, uh, I've seen you going, before. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was great um, to, 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 to meet, finally meet Scott again. Mm -hmm. And since then, um, I have been uh, guest at their place uh, plenty of times. We, after we moved back to Germany, um, they visited us uh, with their whole family. We went uh, to their place um, to, uh, because they moved over from Chico to Asheville, where mm -hmm. Sierra Nevada built their East Coast Brewery. Mm -hmm. um, where Scott moved on to be the head brewer of the whole brewery, but as um, a but as a yeah. as an experimental brewer, he you know sort of that's 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 basically what you're doing too, you know, just in your own brewery because you're trying stuff out. I mean, there's um, there's so many <laughs> different kind of beers that are coming yeah. out. You know, we're now having we're having the Zeebrugge Grisette mm -hmm. that that is already. I mean, it didn't even. You know, sort of. I just saw it when you, when, when, uh, when your uh, distribution uh, sent me the mail with the new yeah. beers that are available. You know, so uh, I think that's that's part of what what is so exciting about this whole scene and market right now is that it is very experimental. That young, well, not just by age, but I mean from the breweries, young breweries um, and brewmasters start to here to develop something completely new and different and. With most of them, art has a place in that, and mm. uh, there's always a visual context. There's always an image with the beer. Like if we look at a Bex, absolutely, yeah. you know, for example, like one of the beers, um, it's you know has this traditional seal, and when they when they do advertising, it's uh, it's on the river, on the sea. It's like a boat. Mm -hmm. It has green sails and stuff like that. It's boring. It's I don't know. I don't know. It was boring yeah, when they yeah, started yeah. doing this. It's got nothing to do with any imagination what, you know, around the beer. And now it's, if somebody does a beer and it has a certain title with most of like, we had an old Simon from, from Budelship or so, mm -hmm. his, his labels, they have got something to do with the beer, with mm -hmm. the story he tries to convey with, you know, pushing this out. So, yeah. so I think, okay, we're taking it a step further by including this in the whole process and starting from the beginning and we're also just beginning it's like the second beer that we're doing and we're not just like and you know sort of well uh, yes uh, as in this at this level at this stage i mean um, with the very it's, it's you know second second, second, artistic, second artist second artist beer, beer that we're making yeah. i mean we have been doing a lot of other projects together um yeah, that's true um, uh, various uh, uh, projects with labels that you yeah. um, it's the first time that both things really yeah. come together yeah that's right and uh, and for me it's when you when you look at the at the art market has changed these last years significantly from I mean I'm you know I'm an artist for many many years I'm in the art world for many years but I'm running a gallery as a business for 16 now mm. and in these 16 years so many things have changed from from the beginning when people were like you make a gallery, everybody's invited. 
you know, <laughs> things like that. Or no, you no, exhibit no artists, tickets. you exhibit artists that haven't studied, you know, but yeah, but they're doing, you know, work on the street for like 15 years, you right. know, what kind of different schools that stuff like that. And just looking into the work and, and, and it worked out and people started to love that. We've been invited to big art fairs, you know, we, you know, sort of our artists were celebrated, we're celebrated to a point where there was a lot of money spent on a new kind of art too. There was no money spent at all anymore because the market fell totally apart to mm. a place where we're now, where, which is so oversaturated and where, well, we're, I think we're already in the third generation of graffiti. These young kids don't even know who started the whole thing. Right. You know, uh, and uh, if they knew, they would respect this. I'm not blaming these, these, these kids for it, but it's, it's just they go on Instagram and they see great artwork and they see people who have, people who have 30,000 followers and they follow these people because they mm. think they do something different, but they only have followers. And right. it's like different values, different currencies that are, that are in place. Um, so, it's a very oversaturated in every way. So you have to kind of stop. Hold on. One of the reasons I'm doing the podcast is we can talk for an hour and people, right. they would, and are interested, listen for an hour. Right. Just amazing. Yeah. Listening for an hour. No matter what you do, you work out, you do exercise, you're on a bike, you're in a car, you're in a traffic That's jam, what whatever. That's do. Yeah, yeah so, yeah, exactly. So, mm -hmm. but you listen, yeah. you know, and... I think this is the same thing that 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 I like about these projects that we do with the beer. There are many hands involved, many people involved. We have like the print. I'm not doing this print. I'm doing the artwork for the print. Right. But we have Dolly Demoretti from Mother Drucker in Berlin, who is for me the best uh, uh, printer that I've ever you know. So sure, yeah. she does amazing work. Um, but she also gets involved. So many people right. get involved and take time. And craft yeah. and making a beer is not just like the the two three days that we're actually hands on brewing the beer. It's all the preparation. It's yeah. everything that comes afterward. It's labeling every single fucking bottle. It's making the boxes. It's making, you know, just now today we spent yeah, we sent like we spent like some time just signing one hundred yeah. prints. Yeah, you know. So and that's what I like about this kind of project. It's not just about a drink. Um, and a great label artwork, it's about just stop for a minute, you know, see and appreciate the time that people spend on, on, on certain things to get to a point, yeah. you know, and it's not marketing driven or anything. Of course, we like this to sell out on the first night, but we don't mind if it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, also, even if it sells out, you know, it's, it's not a new, new roof for yeah, a house or yeah. something. It's no holiday <laughs> with the kids. It's just like no. Actually, you know. actually, um, uh, to be honest, I mean, uh, be, especially from from the brewing perspective, um, beers like that um, are great for um, awareness, for reputation. Mm -hmm. You're not making money with these beers. No. Too complicated. The amount of the small batch projects um, with the amount of work and special <laughs> ingredients you're putting in there. Yeah. Um, uh, actually. You will typically price them that you that you cover cost, mm -hmm. um, which is fine. Sure. Um, and of course, you're not. That's why the limited. You're not doing these on a daily basis. Otherwise, you it, it wouldn't be a business. It, it mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. Yeah. But they're great um, for many reasons. From from my point of view, on one hand, it's fun. Um, I always mm -hmm. like to stay on my, um, on my on my on my toes to just like play around, try something new, um, and. Um, Especially these uh, cross-border collaboration projects um, 
are always a new inspiration. They open your mind. Um, if you're, we do have other collaboration projects with other brewers, uh, which mm -hmm. is also great and amazing. Um, but it's in, in a way just being at another brewery. Mm -hmm. You still learn, you still pick up new ideas. Um, but every now and then you have to look beyond. Um, and that's great. Um, whether we work with uh, coffee roasters or in this case, this I think is it's, it's actually taking it uh, really a step further because you're getting out of that whole food thing mm -hmm. um, into something new um, and trying to feel your way into well, on one hand, your approach on art or a specific well, initially song that inspired um, a well. Uh, installation art carving um and then again taking that and trying to uh, get the inspiration for a beer mm -hmm. um and that makes you think and, and play around and um that's really the um the amazing part um for doing that and of course friendship i mean because it's it's, it's just fun to hang around with uh, good guys like you and um uh, do crazy stuff yeah. just because we can you know <laughs> yeah Yeah, I'm actually, he's talking about can. Um, uh, can I get another beer? Yeah, of course. You get it. You get one for a The fridge at Helium Cowboy is always full, <clears throat> unless I drank it all. Uh, yeah, I'll have another one too. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Well, one one recommendation is that you know, sort of everyone who listens to this or drinks the beer should definitely listen to the song. Um, The Love Me or Die, you know, I think there's no other song by that name. So if you Google that or you the amazing CW Stone King, then you'll find that song pretty quickly as well. Yeah, you can actually listen to all, all the songs, but I mean, you know, start with this one. Um, did you forget anything else? Uh, yeah, we talked before, you know, now you had like, what, three hours to think about. Oli oh, Oli Veselo is is the world champion of beer sommeliers. It's the same word in English, right? Beer yes, sommeliers. Right. Yeah. Uh, so that means he knows a lot about taste and what kind of you know beer and you know what matches what and whatever. So and food pairing is one part of that. We talked about that earlier. And um, with the first beer we did, the Dirty Hands of Alex Diamond, it's kind of simpler. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a smoked uh, well. Um, talking about that beer, smoked porter, mm -hmm. um, aged on wood chips, um, which is I think more more straightforward in a in a, in a food pairing, um, which just from the top of my head um, would probably combine with um, like um, wild meat, uh, deer, maybe boar, lamb something like that that has more a robust character the beer itself is robust it's a big beer it uh, will dominate a lot for, for vegan friends any alternative to that no okay sorry you get next challenge now yeah um vegan yeah wouldn't work uh, vegetarian might be something but vegan yeah vegan will work uh all right i put that on my bucket list to think about put that on the list of things that probably the next uh, world champions of some years <laughs> yeah. have to think about <laughs> actually actually i was um, talking to a chef the other day um joking around um saying well um it would be would be a great idea um actually uh, the chef uh, the great um oliver Triffick, um mm -hmm. who ran um really good um, restaurant for a long time. He just regrettably, really, really regrettably um, had to close down because, um, again, one of these things where people create art, in this case, food, mm -hmm. um, and they do it with a lot of passion and really go in with a love to detail. Um, it's 
tough to get enough people to appreciate yeah. the value of that and pay for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Greta, we had to, to uh, close down. Maybe he has the time now to uh, work on that project because we said, well, it would be great to um, develop actually a, c- a complete beer menu, be it um, pairing menu um, for vegan Uh, for a vegan restaurant mm-hmm. that would be great um, so that's my next challenge so that's coming up okay um, yeah but back to back to the um, the love me or die um, uh, this is this is um, yeah it, it didn't uh, really uh, pop up in my mind yet um, it's a uh, I will still think about it yet, but um, we'll write it in the show notes when you yeah when it would be it, this is one of the things I, I always love sitting down with chefs yeah. um, because they're Well, artist in flavor. Yeah. Um, and even though a lot of them just, well, drink beer, but don't know much about mm-hmm. beer. But once they you, uh, taste beer with them, mm-hmm. their, you know, flavor machine starts. And um, um, as you talk and they come up with different ideas, they know how to match flavors and spices and ingredients perfectly. So, um, so that might be interesting to, to sit over um, a Love Me or Die um with a chef uh, to figure that out because it's, it's, We, it's very two-sided with that uh, sweetness and the bitterness. Uh, so I, I think we, that's something we can actually, we can, we should actually be able to manage. You know, we have, we know so many chefs. We'll find one. We actually from the top of my head, it's not a f- complete dish, but something with rhubarb might work because you have that slight acidity in the rhubarb. Yeah. Well, so it's see, there's something I would have There's a lot of, of elements that you, that you would get together. <laughs> okay. I'm still working on that. All right. <laughs> Rhubarb and fish, maybe. <laughs> mm, well. Yeah, I don't know. I think we've covered... Most of it. Most of it. It's always I impossible guess. to cover everything, but, um, uh, you know, it's it's also about trying to find the stories that, you know, might interest other people than the two of us, but I think, you know, we covered that one. And yeah. we'll see. We, we don't force anyone to drink our beer. We don't force anyone to listen to this podcast. Um, we're happy when you do both, of course. Exactly. Um, also, um, I think there's still the opportunity um, once you um, post that online. Um, hey, if anyone, uh, everyone, anyone has questions um, to what we said, um, I don't know, just post it um, below the podcast and well, um, we'll try our best to um, add answers to that later. Well, that's the thing. I think it's still my bam. This podcast is still too much of a baby that I really get uh, much feedback on it. Um, but I see that many people listening to it. Actually, I'm super surprised how many people listen to this. I'm really happy about uh, about uh, about that part. But there's hardly any kind of feedback. People writing, you know, I like that, or you know, have questions about well, maybe it. That's the first one. But Let's see. maybe this one, you know, please will feel inspired raise. to bring out your comments and questions. Exactly. All right. So, Oli, um, cheers. Oh, oh, that, no, that didn't nice. sound well. <laughs> Hold on. It's actually glasses this guy designed, you know? I mean, they should, yeah, they should actually one of the, sound. It's still yeah, so weird. Well, mm, still well whatever. Well, um, still nice glasses. <laughs> nice glass, and uh, it's, it's, it's made not, not for the sound, but for the, uh, for the tasting. Yeah, so... Thanks for listening, and cheers. Uh, All right, that was that, the beer and art podcast with my man Oliver Wesselow, part two. The first part was the German version we recorded right before this one, and I'm so glad we did it. There's one more thing I need to say though. Only recently I have been criticized harshly for the background music of Helium Talk. And well, if you know me or my taste in music, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of it myself.
But there's always only so much time and even though I'd love to change it, I didn't have a chance to get to improve it myself until now. So if you want to contribute music that fits better with this podcast, I'd be happy to hear from you. Just drop me a mail at heliumtalk at heliumcallway.com. Thank you and goodbye for now.